From crypto winter to crypto geopolitics, from ChatGPT to AI avatars, from zero-proof identity to CBDCs and new forms of GovTech. Join inventors, artists, musicians, gamers, bankers, policymakers, and rebels for a discussion on how technology is reshaping our world. From our offices in Dubai, this is the UAE Tech Podcast. You start to think about the future economy and you start to think about financial inclusion. Well, you can't have financial inclusion unless you have digital inclusion. And if you don't have um, digital inclusion at the forefront of your your government policy and strategy, um, then you're already behind. Uh, and so technically, the infrastructure that we have here in, in the UAE is, is, is fantastic because you've got, I guess, market-leading, world-leading infrastructure when it comes to um, to networks, whether it's mobile or, or um, landline networks. Um, they're, they're high bandwidth networks here. Uh, there is a, a government strategy around, obviously, AI and, uh, and the future digital and knowledge economy. Uh, and you've seen more recently the embracing of, of the metaverse as, as a core pillar in the, uh, in the Dubai economy. Uh, you know, we also announced last year the UAE Ministry of Economy itself having its third official address in the metaverse. Carl Place is CEO and co-founder of iAdvisory a Dubai Future Fellow and a strategic advisor in the digital economy in the UAE. Back in the heady days of early 2021, Carl held a notable discussion on AI at the Capital Club. Shortly after, myself and Carl worked to combine three disparate elements of the UAE economy into a single white paper, AI, virtual assets, and massive multiplayer online worlds. Now, the conversation has shifted a lot since that time, so this episode is a look forward and a look back. Suddenly the idea of AI-based avatars traversing online worlds as you sleep is no longer as crazy as it once seemed. But what does all of this mean practically? Can the UAE forge ahead or will it follow in the footsteps of others? One thing is for sure, profoundly new immersive experiences are on the horizon. Today, we're excited to finally have Carl Place join us on the UAE Tech Podcast. Carl is founder and CEO of iAdvisory, uh, in addition to wearing many other hats. Carl, thanks so much for joining us today. Pleasure, John. Uh, looking forward to our dialogue. So I don't know where to start to talk about um, a lot of your activities in the digital ecosystem and some of the exciting projects you've been working on recently. So could you just give us a very quick introduction to some of the things in the technology industry you're passionate about, but also your your work, particularly in Dubai, more generally. Yeah, mate. Look, it's um, I think I call it an evolutionary path that I've followed um, over the course of the last twenty five years, and um, I'm heavily passionate about um, the future digital economy, but also the steps and process to get there. And there are many faceted um, engagements that um, that are taking place, certainly in my world which is helping create that narrative. Um, on my side, I mean, I was a, a, a corporate um, 
uh, veteran for a fairly long time, just over 20 years. But then over the last five years, I've been heavily engaged in building and realising the digital economy transformation that's happening. And that's with industry, with government, and with the startup ecosystem. Uh, um, and so on the technology front, you know, the evolution of um, of the, uh, I, I guess, the the world of the metaverse is, is, is shaping up to be quite exciting, um, driven and led by AI. Um, and, and the whole concept of immersive um, experiences is, is really a, a passionate area of mine. But then really, um, it has to be linked back to the real economy. Uh, and to me, the linkage is very clear now um, in terms of how do we create that opportunity for um, you know, the economy to transition um, towards this future digital economy. Um, and technology is going to play a fundamental role to, to getting it there. Yeah, excited to talk about all of that. So full disclosure for our audience, Carl is a very good friend. Um, and he's also been working on some amazing stuff at the kind of intersection of technology and policy, uh, business acceleration, and, and you know, um, how developing uh, countries and city-states can become competitive on the world stage. But just to rewind, because um, this is one of the the aspects I'm so excited about for this episode, is the ability to look back on just how far the technology industry has come in even two years. Um, so I think you and I first met because I was, you know, working as, as a policy analyst in the Dubai Gov, and I saw um, a kind of uh, flyer at a place called the the Capital Club for a dialogue with Singularity. Um, this was this was uh, I think two years ago with Singularity Dow, and I actually wasn't there for that fireside chat. I, I I missed it unfortunately, but that was one of the ways I got in touch with you to to see what you were working on. And during that that time, you had a discussion on. AI-infused avatars traversing the metaverse. Now, you know, saying this right now in um, May 2023, people can kind of imagine it. It's still a bit, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit out there. It's a bit edgy. But talking about this two years ago, we're talking 2021, early, very early 2021. This was a very out there idea that needed a lot of extrapolation. Um, was seen as very kind of sci-fi or on the borders of sci-fi and what was possible. Um, what was it that led you to talking about this with Singularity University? W what is it that you are interested about with artificial intelligence and kind of these virtual reality domains? I think at the time, I believe, people weren't even using the phrase the metaverse. We didn't know what to call it. Um, so yeah, just a little bit about kind of you, that initial meeting and your kind of initial thoughts on how AI might merge with what were at the time kind of video game worlds. Yeah, look, uh, really it's stimulated from, uh, it was a meeting chat that we had for our members at the Capital Club. So I co-chair the Business Innovation Steering Committee at the Capital Club and we bring in thought leaders across the industry, but I particularly focus on digital economy, fintech, and AI as sort of core central themes for dialogue. So we happened to have the um, communications director for Singularity Dow um, with us, and we were talking about a topic 
which was AI and its impact on society. And during the dialogue, um, Marcelo was talking about um, the humanoid robot that they'd created um, called Sophia. And they were just bringing it out to the region um, for the upcoming um, conferences that were happening, Gitex being one. And some of the work that we're doing around, around infusing algorithms into Sophia to mimic human um, thinking and, and mindset uh, and having a mindset uh, that mimics uh, human behavior. So in that dialogue, as the members were sort of intrigued with some of this, I it just struck me right then there that, hang on, um, well, what if we all had our own um, personal avatar which was infused with an algorithm which was our own personal algorithm and then that avatar would traverse the metaverse versus us um, being more focused on the physical uh, world with humanoid robots and i said the world's going digital anyway this new world around the metaverse is coming and a lot of people didn't understand what that was so we did talk a little bit about that and I said, well, we're eventually going to have a digital twin. And so if we are going to have a digital twin, why wouldn't we focus our energy and effort towards infusing that digital twin, which will eventually be our own avatar, personalized avatar, with algorithms that, that mimic our behavior. So in the morning, if I wake up, you know, I don't need to have full focused time in, um, in the metaverse. I'd like to have my avatar go and traverse the metaverse while I was offline. And the concept was built around a 24 hour period. So, you know, in 24 hours, we have eight hours arguably to sleep, eight hours arguably to work. And then so the remaining eight hours of the day are, uh, are sort of spread between, um, you know, family, friends, socializing, how much actual time do we have to go and, and be engaged online in learning new concepts around the future economy, digital economy, um, would it be great if we had an algorithm that did all that for us and then we wake up in the morning or when we would come online and it would, it would give us a summary of what just happened over the course of that, that time, but it would also do things for us while we're offline. So effectively, it would be an economic contributor to my physical life. And <laughs> there are a lot of eyebrows in the room um, that sort of came up. I think that, that was sort of the trigger point. So when you and I caught up, um, we had that discussion, it essentially became the foundation of the beginning of what you and I wanted to explore, which was, hang on, we've got to link economics and AI into this world. It really is around, you know, ec you know economics being a, um, a contributor to my, my physical life, but through the digital world. And how do we automate and, and, and have a lot more um, efficiency in that world? Well, that, that is going to be powered through artificial intelligence. And, and you know, we're already seeing at that time the likes of DeepMind um, and what they could do uh, from Google. Mm, but they had the, the Go world. case study, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so to me, that was that was really important um, to dive into. And, and I think you and I, we, we just struck an accord right there and then in terms of, well, that was the um, the beginning um, of our, our deep research around economics and AI and the metaverse. And still at that point, this was two years ago, obviously, but, you know, looking back and reflecting on what's happened since then it's almost like the the metaverse when big tech made a decision to start getting more 
focused on it, the likes of Facebook um, getting involved into this area and and driving some um, some technology innovation around there. But then, you know, the, the discussions you and I had, you know, with um, one of the chief engineers for Oculus, uh, Jack McCauley, and, and others as we progressed at that time started to make more sense. And so as we put it out there, um, I think you and I could see it, but we could also, the way I looked at it was there had to be a link back to the physical and real economy. Mm. And we've got to think forward. And think forward means the future economy is going to be powered by not just AI, but also in the future behind that is is what quantum is going to bring. But, you know, that's, that's sort of further down the track. But, um, yeah, that's, that's really where it was all born. And that's that, that sort of drove me down this path of let's go and expand that ecosystem engagement and hence yeah. where we are now. Yeah, I mean, we did kind of enter the, the rabbit hole. So um, I, it is useful sometimes. You know, I think I was speaking, we were speaking to one speaker who was talking about tech history can actually help you in terms of what you you were building can you because you can start to learn how technology evolves over time and i remember when we you know sat down and, and met after singularity university you asked this question which was you know what is the kind of key technology that that you're interested in that you feel like no one else is talking about right now um because we'd had quite a long chat about ai and of course you know um, UA is no stranger to AI. There's a ministry of AI, uh, and there's, there's been a lot of work in, in blockchain. And we were kind of talking about how a lot of these technologies were converging. And I said, well, you know what? At, the, at this time, we're talking kind of March 2021, very few people are talking about virtual reality. I don't know what's happened to it. Very few people, uh, at least here, are talking about gaming worlds. And I do wonder how all of that is going to filter through and and move into one space. I think we even mentioned kind of Fortnite and and Roblox. And clearly, you know, there were other people who were already thinking this. So there are a couple of of great analysts I follow who are, who are writing about something called the Metaverse Online at that time. But out in Dubai, um, this idea of being able to talk to an avatar that was actually an artificial intelligence and you know could respond semi you know, semi-reliably and, um, you know, um, answer questions and stuff was very out there. And also this idea of talking about all of these things within what would at the time really not even be called the metaverse, a video game world, was pretty much out there. So we started this research into the white paper, uh, AI and economics in the metaverse. And there were a, there were a lot of, of, of challenges in that. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about you know, some of the research, some of the, the challenges that we encountered when we were looking about the Dubai market in particular, because I know the Dubai market is something that you know a lot about. And also you mentioned engagement. And I think one of the fun things about that experience was talking to people before and then right after the Facebook announcement. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And that was an interesting experience. Yeah, and no, I look, I mean... Um... The challenges that, that, that exist or existed uh, back then were sort of the, the challenges that we're already seeing today in terms of interoperability, in terms of computing power, in terms of mm. uh, low latency networks in regions where, you know, you, you if you want to if you start to think about the future economy and you start to think about financial inclusion, well, you can't have financial inclusion unless you have digital inclusion. 
And if you don't have um, digital inclusion at the forefront of your, your government policy and strategy, um, then you're already behind. Uh, and so technically, the infrastructure that we have here in, in the UAE is, is, is fantastic because you've got, I guess, market-leading, world-leading infrastructure when it comes to um, to networks, whether it's mobile or or um, landline networks. Um, they're, they're high bandwidth networks here. Uh, there is a, a government strategy around, obviously, AI and, uh, and the future digital and knowledge economy. Uh, and you've seen more recently the embracing of, of the metaverse as, as a core pillar in the uh, in the Dubai economy. Uh, you know, we also announced last year the UAE Ministry of Economy itself having its third official address in the metaverse. Uh, and so there's a lot of these movements there. The regulator itself, VARA, the Virtual Asset Regulatory Authority, has also got a presence in the metaverse. So that has all sort of accelerated, um, uh, I guess, from a vision and mandate perspective. Underlying and supporting that, there are challenges, on, obviously, on the technical side, which is interoperability by design. I think that's that's a big, uh, a big area uh, that over the course of the last couple of years we start to see in the gamification world and in the, um, you know, in the movement of multi or focus towards a multi-chain metaverse um, play with a lot of the early stage metaverse creation entities. I think that's going to be the key. It's almost like, you know, if I'm going to, when I use the words traverse the metaverse, what I'm relating to here is I need to be moving between um, layer one, layer two chains, uh, blockchains, and move between one um, metaverse, whether it's a gamified metaverse, into maybe a commerce metaverse, uh, and between those two, uh, whether one is built on Solana or another one's built on. Um, Cardinal or any, or any other um, uh, blockchain layer, I should be able to traverse between that. And so between those is also the exchange of digital assets. So, you know, having visibility of NFTs and, and, and other forms of um, tokenized assets, uh, to me, that's going to be really important because mm. you need to be able to move between, uh, between metaverse to be able to not only see, but also maybe sell, maybe um, uh, generate uh, those assets. So, you know, much the same way that today we are engaged with the internet. You know, we move between websites, we move between e-commerce sites. You know, we are able to make payments and um, and uh, and obviously own those assets. Um, but in the physical world, we collect them. In the digital world, they need to be stored and, and hosted in, in these different environments. So that that is sort of the key. Uh, um, you need to make sure that those blockchain solutions can scale. So we saw with obviously with um, the play-to-earn gaming environment, there was a big focus on that with the lines of Axie Infinity and, and, and others that were creating these um, these solutions, which were bringing into the digital realm quite quickly. Um, in the low socioeconomic um, regions of the world, even when we had the big um, challenge of COVID, people were still able to earn incomes at that time using play to earn systems, and they were playing essentially in in these um, gamified metaverses. So, to me, these are really important uh, challenges right. that need to be addressed early on, but also opportunities for 
that or yeah. Uh, bring it to life. Yeah, that that was an interesting. It's interesting what you just said about the kind of gamification. You know, the 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 fact that video games play a big role in this. So. I remember when we were first kind of doing this research, weren't even using this. We were look, using the term metaverse on and off, but really we were looking about uh, looking at you know AI and virtual assets within large scale gaming worlds, which, which as Wired would later write, a lot of what we kind of think of as the metaverse sort of already exists in you know Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven or um, Fortnite and all this other stuff. But you know there came this point. If in June, I think of of 2021, where Meta came yeah. out with their announcement, and suddenly we get we started getting a lot more interest in the work we were doing. You know, you facilitated, and and, and you know some. We both set up some amazing uh, roundtables with our advisory uh, uh, and at the Capital Club, talking to you know stakeholders. But the people at the table were mainly, you know, uh, government types, um, consultants, and and big tech. And, you know, now we're, we're a couple of years down the line, and I think there's some yeah. really interesting questions to be had about who's positioned for the future of the metaverse and, and what the options are for a city state, like, city state like Dubai. So, you know, now our audience kind of have the context and the kind of origin story. I really want to sharpshoot and, and pick your brains yeah. on some, some kind of fascinating questions yeah. in this space. And I think, you know, one of the first questions is who, you know, who are the interesting players in this space now? Is it merely big tech or do gaming companies and independent players have a really good chance to do something special? Yeah, look, it's a good question. Um, just to also correct you slightly on when Meta was formed. Uh, interesting enough, it was in late October 2021. So oh, was it? Yeah. It, it, was, but... it was a good almost three months after us, but we had approached, I remember at the time we approached Facebook and a few others. Um, well, that's right. We approached them in June and we knew something was yeah. cooking. And what we what we sort of, again, at that time, we were, big tech was very much, and they remained to be focused on their core strategies. Uh, and so regionally and, and globally, there's also a focus towards the narrative when corporate kickoffs take off. Uh, and so, you know, in, in, in the Microsoft world, that's usually in Ju July where they have their, uh, their partner Ignite conferences uh, of every year. At that time, there wasn't really any focus on, on this discussion. Following 12 months uh, in 2022, it became an enterprise strategy for, for Satya and the deliver Microsoft and the metaverse, the enterprise metaverse will be a core pillar or a, a strategic um, area uh, to, for them to focus on. Um, but yeah, when, when Meta had obviously done that, uh, it validated obviously what we were doing uh, and what we proposed when we released the white paper uh, in September um, of 2021. So hence, back to your question, in terms of who were those players? To me, it was an early indication that big tech was going to be a follower here. Um, you know, having seen how Microsoft Google, Facebook, uh, initially, Nameta had responded on the opportunity. It was, um, I think it was, it was very much looking at following, certainly on the, um, on the metaverse side and the immersive experiences side, not necessarily on the VR and the tech hardware side, because yeah. Microsoft and HoloLens years ago and, you know, Oculus was acquired by Facebook. By for Facebook, that, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you know, that, that sort of has happened. However, what I've seen is that it re- is very much dependent on the evolving ecosystem that's building the games themselves, these web, web 2 to web 3 game environments. So, you know, we've seen Fortnite accelerate there. We saw Roblox accelerate there. Yeah. Um, I can it's- see now. Yep. I mean, I think Tim Sweeney was originally against virtual assets, the CEO of Epic Games, and he's since, you know, yeah. indicated they might be more favorable towards it. But I think, you know, one of the things that we may have got wrong back then was that we may have underplayed the role of the kind of video game industry and independent blockchain players. That said, I think one of the things that is in retrospect, looking back that we got right. And I don't know if it was, you know, how, how it happened. And I suspect it was that first, you know, meeting that you had with singularity was that I don't think even we were aware of just how applicable the incorporation of artificial intelligence would be right. You know, at the moment, everyone has, has got chat GBT on their phones. We have uh, these LLM based, you know, um, ostensibly chatbots, but there's so much more answering very complicated questions in all sorts of disciplines and often sounding like someone you could talk to, you know, giving them advanced prompts in English and watching them respond. And that's kind of shocked the world. And, you know, the whole world has taken notice and it is a a very small leap to have, you know, these, these AIs as non-player characters and, 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 and as even, you know, adjuncts in all sorts of video game systems and in metaverse worlds. Um, I'm really, I'm really happy that we managed to get that in the, in the original report. The question is, where do you think that's going to go next? Because, you know, that is a fascinating topic as well. Yeah. And I think this is where we're seeing obviously the acceleration of, um, you know, GPTs and GANs, right? Generative uh, AI. I think these are these are going to be really at the heart and soul of where we initially were discovering and thinking about what could be possible. And what could be possible and what's going to evolve is back to the early um, idea that we would have a personalized AI. I think this is where we're leaning mm. towards. Mm. I think we're going to end up down there at some point. I mean, we've seen we've seen the um you know, those assistants, whether it's Siri, whether it's, um, it's you know, Alexa, whether it's Cortana or Microsoft, and in those worlds, um, helping us in different ways from a search perspective. What we're seeing now with with the generative AI and the GPTs is that it's moving more towards almost mimicking my interests and my mind, human-like, to obviously responses in terms of what we feed the system. But really, it's still requiring us to provide an input. What will be interesting is when this moves towards sensory. I yeah, think that's where that's wow. where it becomes different. And this is where maybe that um, maybe that dialogue around my own personal AI infused avatar becomes a reality. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, we we started yeah. off with you know we started off discussing Ready Player One, and we very quickly going beyond that. Uh, with some of these, yeah. some of these discussions, so you know, I, 
a lot of your work, you're a strategic advisor and, and, and the digital and the data economy for all sorts of, um, you know, business, private sector and, and public sector entities here in Dubai. So I guess one of the big questions that we wanted to ask you today was, you know, what role can Dubai and can the UAE play in this emerging digital economy of the future? You know, that we've got all these big tech companies with the GDP of nation states that look set to dominate this space. Um, we have, you know, massive amounts of capital uh, coming from outside to other parts of the world. So what are the advantages of the UAE? Uh, the UAE has launched, uh, you know, a metaverse white paper. How can the UAE step into and, you know, play a significant historical role in what we both think, I believe, will be the future of the digital economy? I think the advantage that we that the UAE has... It's almost it's almost like it, it's it's done a uh, a visionary leap by appointing a minister of AI, digital economy, and remote working mm. some years ago. What that done is is it actually set us on a course where you're starting to see policy, government, uh, um, uh, and industry almost looking for opportunities to get behind it. And so the UAE, to me, I've always been saying this, certainly been saying this for the last almost four years, um, will eventually become a net export hub for digital economy solutions for the future. And the reason why I say that is we have the infrastructure there. As I mentioned earlier, you need world-class infrastructure to be able to um, build these systems and build these use cases and take that to industry. And then industry needs to have policy which supports the digital transformation angle. And so when it comes to AI, when it comes to the metaverse, and when it comes to um, this immersive um, reality and economy, immersive economy, I think we're going to end up um, leading from here. So you're seeing a lot of these entities coming in from Europe, uh, from Asia, to scale their operations, but also to build uh, IP. And, and that IP will start to be created here and start to be leveraged and then um, shared and built overseas. So there is high, obviously here you've got, um, you know, very high uh, probability of being funded through the fact that there are government funds and government initiatives behind uh, investment, the sovereign wealth funds are all fully focused now on on investing in the Web3, uh, blockchain, uh, digital economy space in general. FinTech is obviously a big part of um, the investment strategy right now. We're seeing the hubs themselves becoming more um, supportive uh, for entities to come and be based here. Uh, the talent pool around the world is starting to gravitate towards here. Um, and when true. I say talent pool, I'm referring to, you know, not just the early stage, you know, learning talent pool, it's also the um, the experience talent pool that's really coming out here to actually become uh, part of that creative economy that's being serviced here. 
I myself, I mean, I recently, and it was, it was actually quite an honour for me that I, uh, I had the Dubai government reach out um, when they created, um, the leadership of Dubai created this Dubai Future Fellowship um, advisory group with the Dubai Future Foundation bringing it all together. And so that's um, that just recently got announced. And, and the focus behind that is actually interesting because it's around you know, creating Dubai as, you know, one of the, the best, if not the best uh, city on earth, um, but also to be future ready. Uh, and future ready across all industry pillars uh, and looking at what is possible and enabling what is possible as part of uh, the ideas that come out of this, this advisory Dubai Future Fellow uh, group. And so that shows to me again, and we had the Minister of Digital Economy uh, and AI um, with His Excellency, His Highness, sorry, uh, Sheikh Hamdan, um, and the CEO Chairman of um, uh, the Dubai Future Foundation, uh, part of that announcement and part of that launch. So I think for me, that when I see that kind of sponsorship, when I see that kind of initiative and drive, uh, and I see that the ecosystem is well represented in almost like a think tank, Specifically, as a think tank for the mm. Dubai future economy, uh, it's it's only bound to result in success, um, and and that success will result, as I said earlier, in it becoming a nerve center and a hub for the future digital economy. And I think this is why it's getting a lot of focus um, from across the global spectrum. Whether you're an innovator, whether you're an investor, whether you're a whether, whether you carry IP, but you need to scale that IP, um, and academia itself. Uh, and I think you and I are seeing that transition, you know, uh, extensively uh, here in Dubai. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and congrats on that Dubai Future Fellow um, position. It, a, it sounds like a really interesting um, group. And and you're right. I guess it does reflect some of the, the, the fact that the thinking is, is very high level. Um I guess to you know, there's 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 another aspect to this, of course. So, you know, people have figured out that building these worlds is difficult. You know, you've mentioned yourself, you know, compute power, um, the role of crypto and virtual assets within these worlds, putting aside the regulatory challenges, um what people do to have fun in these spaces, this is really hard stuff right? You know, big companies are finding it difficult. So these discussions are really important. And I think as people have realized just how difficult this is, you've also had the same people who are kind of, you know, really pumping this up and and creating a lot of kind of MTPR around it suddenly saying, "Hey, you know, the metaverse is 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 already over. There's no such thing. You know, this is good. This was just a fad. This is just a trend. This was another you know, another bandwagon thing." What are your thoughts on that? I mean, my thoughts are it just separates the wheat from the chaff and the kind of you know, um, short term um, kind of uh, exploitative thinkers from the people who think you know there is actually something exciting there and uh, gaming is already part of the largest part, slice of, of the digital economy and an increasing slice of the, the entertainment economy but what are your thoughts is there a long and hard road ahead for the metaverse and is is it going to need a lot of perseverance and work 
Or should we be expecting, you know, significant changes in this space within the next 12 to 18 months? I think we're going to see a transition over a course of maybe five years, I would say. Um, mm. What's happened is, yes, we've seen these, the challenges in global economies at the moment, uh, where there's been a shift in terms of prioritising focus um, and spend on resources. We saw, obviously, the, the cooling off, you know, the, the crypto winter, if you want to call it, in that respect, where the Web3 space has sort of had its, um, its challenges. But to me, the the direction we're going in is is not going to stop. Um, the, the pace that we're going at, we, we may have encountered a few speed humps along this highway, but the highway speed limit is still 120 kilometers an hour, even though we may be encountering some of those yellow lines you see on, on the freeways where you've got to slow down. Uh, we're going through a slowdown period where things are just being more shaped and narrowed towards... Uh, getting to that destination. The destination is 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 still going to be an a, you know a digital immersive experience uh, economy. At some point, you know, industry will move aggressively there. Um, Gen Z's effect on where things end up moving is yet to really take full shape. And that's going to happen over the next probably five to ten years, as they become more infused in um, the corporate. Um, in the corporate world, uh, and as they start to gravitate into uh, the entrepreneurial world, you're going to see more and more um, developments led through the Gen Z. I call it the Gen Z effect. So I think to me, that's it's, we're on the course. The metaverse, whether it's called the metaverse or not, the immersive experiences that are behind it, the, the, the gamification worlds that are behind it, the you know the virtual worlds that are, that are there. Um, are still going to happen, um, you know, and it's going to happen uh, over time. You know, and as I said earlier, if you're not digitally included, you're financially excluded. So eventually your economy has to transition that way. So enterprise will move down that track. The consumer is already doing that. I mean, our kids are already, that, that's how they wake up every morning. That's what they're doing. They're essentially playing in these games. Um, You've got to have a balance. Uh, and I think AI could provide that balance because it helps automate a lot of the things that we're thinking about. So yeah, you know, I and, think and it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as you said, regardless of what you call it, immersive technologies and exponential digital markets aren't going anywhere. <laughs> you know, you can call it whatever you want, but this is coming. Yep. Um, it's and it's it's exciting and but it is also very challenging and there is a whole suite of technologies from enterprise to consumer based and and hardware based you know vr and ar um and haptics that all apply in this space um so it's not simple and it will probably take, you know, a lot of hard work. But Carl, thank you so much uh, for your time today. This is an ongoing discussion, I guess, and maybe it's time for an update to the white paper. Absolutely. I think it's um, absolutely, in terms of timing, it's um, it's ready, I think, now to, to explore the depth of what we um, concluded on with the, the first version. And especially with the impact that AI is having now on everyone's 
thinking um, and specifically from an economic standpoint where that's going to help shift um, you know global economies industry um, yeah we're ready for it I think that the the time is now for us to release the second version of that white paper in in the coming months and um, look out for it it's going to be fun Inshallah, that's the plan. Uh, Carl, thanks so much for joining us on the UAE Tech Podcast. Pleasure, John, and um, looking forward to the next one. Sponsor information. The UAE Tech Podcast is distributed by Albuaba Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes, please contact our editorial team, or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Alboweba Business, syndication distribution on Alboweba Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Alboweba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.